Night racing is back at Richmond Raceway. This spring, top NASCAR drivers like Ryan Blaney, Chase Elliott, Bubba Wallace, Ross Chastain, and Virginia's own Denny Hamlin will battle under the bright lights. And this historic track also offers a rocking infield experience with unparalleled access to your favorite drivers and one of the best tailgate scenes around. For a weekend of friends, family, and amazing short track action, head to Richmond Raceway, March 29th through 31st. Get tickets now at richmondraceway.com. Hello and welcome to the World Wanderers Podcast, your source for travel stories, travel destinations, and travel philosophy. I'm Amanda. I'm Ryan. And we're your hosts. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the World Wanderers Podcast. Today we are joining you from sunny Canmore, Alberta. So after our time in Vancouver, we took a quick detour through central BC tour uh, <laughs> and are now back in Alberta for the next couple months are kind of feels like our, our home home kind of uh, for at least a little while and today we're just gonna have a bit of a variety episode a few different things but just talking about uh, past couple months future stuff all sorts of good stuff and then we'll have an episode coming up uh, on Vancouver but we won't dive too deep in that into that today so the quick recap on our travels over the past couple months, if you've been following along on social media or catching mentions in the podcast episodes, we'd been in Vancouver since almost the end of February. After our time in Guatemala, we took a detour through Mexico uh, and went to Puerto Escondido and Mexico City. So our trip was kind of a bit of a flying around, bouncing all over the place from Charleston to Orlando to Mexico City to guatemala to a different part of guatemala to a different part of mexico and then set up in vancouver for a couple months so uh, it's been a long time this will be like the longest time we've spent in canada for years. a couple of years huh? yeah 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 for sure and it's interesting too because people in vancouver are like oh you're only here for three months and then we come home to camera and people are like what you're only here for three months and i'm like yeah but six months back to back in canada like that's a long time for us we spent five months last year and that was the longest that we'd spent in a couple of years and this one is one month longer but split between two different places so yeah, backing up, I think the last time we talked about a destination was Guatemala. And from Guatemala, we wanted to take a little vacation. And I know it sounds a little bit weird. Everyone's always like, oh, but you're constantly traveling. Like you're always on vacation. Those of you who work and travel know that that's certainly not the case. And, you know, those of you who take vacations mostly, you know, we're not always on vacation. We're working a lot of the time and balancing good internet and getting things done while trying to enjoy places. And it was nice to just relax a little bit. You had a change in work. You had a little bit more time off. And I was about to dive into an advanced yoga teacher training program, which we'll talk about in just a little bit here. And we ended up having, I guess, 10 days, almost two weeks where it was kind of this in-between, like, do we stay in Guatemala? Do we go to another country? Do we go back home early? What do we do? And our original sort of, I guess, idea was to go to Belize. I really wanted to do a dive trip there. And then we looked at flights to get back to Canada, and they were well over double from Belize versus Mexico. So we decided, let's just go back to Mexico and have a little vacation there. 
And we debated between a couple different places because there's still lots of places in Mexico we haven't been. And our top two ended up being Holbosch or Puerto Escondido. Do you want to talk a little bit about why we chose Puerto Escondido over Holbosch? Sure. Yeah. Really just about kind of what we were looking for to do over that time and the ease of getting there. So getting to Holbosch, and I guess to rewind even before that, Holbosch looks really cool. We haven't been, even though we've been close a couple of times, but have a lot of friends who have gone, a lot of people who say great things about it. And it's one of those places where you see cool photos of a lot and you think, oh, we should go there. Um, But we were just kind of looking at it. And as Amanda, you just mentioned, I had actually just left my job. So I'd been working basically full time, but remotely for the past two years. And so had some newfound freedom and flexibility uh, when it came to what we could do. And so we we're looking kind of just to take a, yeah, more of like a vacation. Uh, and going to Holbosch was just going to be, when we looked at, okay, it's going to be like quite a bit of extra travel in terms of like the flights we have to make, more expensive, accommodation quite a bit more expensive. And it was just kind of like, hey, we can do things pretty well in Puerto Escondido pretty affordably and have it just be like a lot easier. So that was kind of the the tipping point. Yeah. And those, those types of things, like as I guess, quote unquote travelers and even like travel podcasters and travel bloggers, it's like, Oh, are we like copying out? Cause it's like, it's not that hard to get to Holbosch. It just requires like a bus from Cancun and then a ferry from another destination in Cancun to actually get to the island. And I feel like it's the type of place that's totally worth it. But for us, I think after just a crazy couple of months working, we were just kind of like, we want something that's easy. Like we want to pick one place to stay at for the week and we want it to be on the beach and we want it to be in walking distance of the things that we want to see and do. And in reality, we really didn't want to do anything. We just wanted to spend a lot of time decompressing. You were decompressing from finishing work and I was decompressing before diving into a really busy period for me. And we just felt like, you know, let's save some money before we go back to Vancouver. Vancouver is like crazy expensive. I mean, yes, compared to Mexico, crazy expensive and just for Canada in general, quite expensive. And we just wanted something that would give us those options. So Holbosch is still on the list. It's definitely somewhere we will get to, but just didn't quite feel like, I guess, the right time when we went in February. And so we went to Puerto Escondido and I was very pleased, like from the moment that we arrived and we took our taxi to get to our resort and we checked in, I guess it wasn't a resort, it was a hotel, but getting to the hotel, we had a beautiful beach view and beautiful view of the water and the sunset. And I felt, I I never second guessed our choice to go to Puerto Escondido. What did you think of Escondido, P.E.? Yeah, I, I loved it. So we were staying in Brisas de Zicatella, um, which was kind of the opposite side of where you land at the airport. And I feel like it's one of those places where probably there's certain times of the year where it's quite busy. It definitely quite a few younger tourists, uh, and especially up towards Puerto Escondido, like the main town, a bit more like bigger resort type places. But still kind of under the radar uh, and a lot more like Mexican tourism there. And so, yeah, it, it was just really fantastic. I think it was partly due to the season, partly due to just the way Puerto Escondido is. But lots of people there, like an, enough people that there's cool stuff to see and do 
and good restaurants to eat at, like that infrastructure is built out. But, you know, the beaches aren't full. The beaches are, you know, you can go for nice walks on the beach. You aren't going to get harassed on the beach with about massages or buying drugs or buying <laughs> soda or whatever. Um, none of that stuff that you'd find like in Cancun or other places or Acapulco, something like that. So, yeah, really good mix of like big enough that you can find like a nice place to stay and find some great restaurants to eat at. There was a Thai restaurant that we ate at repeatedly, Lychee. Um, Lychee. Yeah, however you pronounce it. However that you want to pronounce it, that we kept going back to. So, awesome food, um, awesome atmosphere, great weather. Yeah, would love to go back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we talked to somebody who said like when the surf gets really big, it brings in like a ton of people. But for the rest of the year, it's like pretty chill. I sort of feel like it might be what Sayulita was like, I don't know, 10, 15, maybe even 20 years ago. I don't know when Sayulita became super, super popular. But I, I feel like it's like the type of place where it will get popular like as more people discover it as more people are looking for places that aren't Sayulita and Cancun and Tulum I think more people will start going to Puerto Escondido but for now I felt like there was like you said the perfect mix of tourism and both international and Mexican and also just being really chill like it wasn't hard to sit and watch the sunset in peace and it wasn't hard to get a photo of the beach without a bunch of people in it like it was just a really pleasant week and I feel like it gave us pretty much exactly what we were looking for. The Wi-Fi at our hotel sucked, which meant that we didn't really even do any unnecessary work. Uh, One of the biggest habits that I've kind of developed over the last couple of years is like, oh, I'm offline, but then I'm like online checking emails. So it was nice to like not really even have that option. Yeah, for sure. And then we were back to Canada and settling into Vancouver. And you mentioned it about doing a advanced yoga teacher training there. What was that all about? Yeah. Yeah. So I am already a yoga teacher, as I think a lot of you guys already know. I had my 200 hours, which is what's required to be a yoga teacher, like a certified yoga teacher. And I'd really wanted to, I guess, level up my teaching and do another training. And you can do other 200 hours, which would give you more hours of training, but kind of the next step with that is a 300 hour, which makes you a 500 hour registered yoga teacher. And on my other podcast, Mastering the Business of Yoga, I'd actually interviewed somebody a number of years ago who was the program director for, at the time, the school is called the Vancouver School of Yoga. And the program has been on my radar since I interviewed her like I don't know, that must have been like three years ago. She was one of my first interviews with MBOM. And one of the things that I really liked about the program is that it's designed for people who want to teach yoga. So it's really like a career yoga teacher training program. And, you know, she moved on from that position and some other people came in as, you know, staff and there's been numerous program directors since then. And I just kind of like was watching it in the background. And then I was actually going to do it last year when we were living in Mexico sort of the tentative idea was like, oh, maybe we'll go to Mexico for October, November, December, January, and then go home to Vancouver in February. And we found our place and they wanted a six-month lease. And I was sort of like, oh, it doesn't feel like the right time financially. So uh, we decided to stay in Mexico, as you guys know. And I was like, okay, I'll just wait until after the program starts and then I'll apply. So 
as soon as they came out with the 2019 dates, I applied for the program. Um, it's now under the program director, Rebecca Walker, and it's the Vancouver School of Healing Arts now. So they've done a whole rebrand with new staff. And yeah, that's why we were in Vancouver. So it was like, you wrapped up some projects, you had more free time in your schedule. And then it went totally opposite for me where all of a sudden I was balancing all of my work tasks and workload on top of having like 27 hours of learning a week, which was pretty crazy. Yeah. And so we'll do a full Vancouver episode and talk about lots of the different trips we took and things we did there. But just overall, it was a really good three months uh, of um, time in Vancouver. You mentioned like the cost. It is a little expensive. It's the type of place where I think pretty early on we were both like, oh, we could see ourselves living here. But then you look at your bank account after three months and you're kind of like, eh, I don't know. I think it has potential of being like looped into our maybe like yearly travel circuit. Like I think full time all year round, like it would be hard to do what we're doing now where, you know, you're on a bit of like a in-between time with work, deciding on what your next move is, which is amazing that we can do that. Like that's a blessing. That's hard when you are living full-time in Vancouver. Like I think knowing that we had three months there, it's like, okay, we can enjoy ourselves and then we can move on. I think it's also like, I understand we have a ton of friends in Vancouver, which made it really, really fun to be there. But I also understand when they're like, oh yeah, I don't have any extra money. I've always been like, yeah, but you have like a full-time job. And now after living there, I'm like, okay, well I get it. Like one full paycheck goes to rent. That's essentially how it is. Yeah. And it's one of those things too, where I think you know, when we talk to people or even like listeners of the podcast um, about, you know, living a more nomadic life, traveling a lot and how it kind of looks like this thing that's like really hard to attain. But, you know, if you're living somewhere like Vancouver or San Francisco or L.A., yes, there's the tricky part of finding a way to make your income remote, but the cost of those cities, you can like live in Airbnbs and short-term rentals and travel around and pay for flights and live a more affordable life traveling than it uh, is to just live in those cities because of the cost of rent, because of the cost of going out for drinks with friends, going out for food with friends, uh, all of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Canada in general is much more expensive than like any developing country that you'll go to. Like, it's just you have to kind of adjust your expectations. Like if you go for a meal, you're probably paying 50 bucks if you're getting a drink. Like I would say a drink and an entree is going to cost you 50 bucks. That's just how it's going to be. And so, you know, if you do that in Mexico City, you'd have to like really try to spend $50 each or you'd have to be at like a really, really fancy restaurant like we've talked about the restaurant that we love Romelia bar that was around the corner from our apartment in Mexico City and I mean that's kind of what we would pay combined with like two glasses of wine and a bunch of appies so it's just totally different in terms of how much food costs and then you add in living expenses and it just becomes like quite expensive but in saying that I was a bit nervous to go back to Canada in winter. And I I really didn't have a choice. This yoga school only runs their program once a year. So it's like you either do it and you be back in Canada in February or you just don't do it. And so I was like, okay, well, like I 
grew up in Alberta. Like I'm not that much of a baby. I just don't love winter. But winter in Vancouver was quite pleasant. I was like, I I get why people are based here. Like it's a beautiful city, great weather, mountains, nature, all the restaurants, super international, all the good stuff. Yeah, it's kind of funny because I grew up in BC. And so I know what weather is like, you know, west of the Rockies. And it's definitely not as intense or as harsh as it is here in Alberta. But it's funny, kind of just like some part of me like forgot about that. So when we was kind of just feeling this like, oh, I'm going to be like so cold and it's going to be hard doing stuff outside. But we got to Vancouver in February and from then on out, yeah, there were some times where it was a bit cooler, a bit gloomier. But overall, really nice weather and yeah, really, really easy. Like the type of winter that's like super easy to get through. Yeah, I kind of was like, oh, I should sort of change my like, I hate winter stance to just like, I hate Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, potentially Ontario. (laughs) Winter in September and I hate (laughs) negative 10 in October. And I hate winter that's like eight months of the year. (laughs) I hate all those things. But Yeah. yeah, in Vancouver, pretty, pretty chill. And so you know, we've said it, we'll do an episode on Vancouver where we talk more about everything that we did. But, you know, overall, I think that we both had a really great time. It was a really awesome three months for me. It was like very intense. It was very busy, but my training was amazing. I felt like life in Vancouver was awesome. I loved living downtown and it was just, yeah, it was just like a really good three months that I I really liked. (laughs) Yeah. And one small kind of travel tidbit is that it was cool for us being there, if I can speak for both of us, uh, because it kind of like got Vancouver is so multicultural. If you've been there, you know, but you walk down the street, you'll hear, you know, anytime you go on the street, you're going to hear multiple languages. And it really stands out in terms of the food. You can get awesome food from basically anywhere in the world we went for afghan food one day and korean food uh, vietnamese food chinese food um countless numbers of cuisines you can eat and it was cool being there because especially kind of asian related stuff just a lot of stuff that during our 2016 17 trip in asia got to go and check out again so there was lots of great bubble tea places and even the brands um coco and cocos and gongcha um cha time cha time these asian brands um i don't know if that's like a good habit but we kind of got in the habit of drinking a um a bubble tea now it's, and again it's and, sort of like nostalgic yeah and there was you know an awesome vietnamese pho, pho however you want to call it place that we'd go to a lot we got to go for great korean food uh, one of our last days there we went for great dumplings again and kind of reminded ourselves of some of the great food we ate in taiwan so that was really cool as well and it's cool to live in a city like that especially i mean for me yeah we've traveled to places like that but so many times when you're traveling you're looking for one specific thing right like in tokyo you're looking to get great sushi or whatever um and living in calgary it's like not like that at all in terms of the availability of great uh, ethnic cuisine so it was cool to be somewhere like that where you could be on a friday night and like oh what do you want to eat like uh let's go for korean let's go for vietnamese let's go for sushi and you can find something that's amazing in any of those categories mm-hmm Yeah, absolutely. That was definitely one of my favorite parts about it too. I don't think it's funny because if you listen to, you know, some of our Asian 
Asian episodes, some of our Asia episodes, especially near the end, like we were pretty over being in Asia in a lot of ways. But then it's like, you're really reminded of the good moments. Like the first time we signed up, saw Coco, we were like, whoa, oh my God, it's Coco. Like we haven't had that in so many years. And like, and it just feels like an authentic experience, like kind of like we're back in, in Asia and then you get to walk out on the streets and you're very much in Canada. And it's, yeah, it's a, it's a great city and we'll, we'll go into more details for all the reasons that we love it and maybe some of the things that we didn't love about it outside of the price in a separate episode. But yeah, I'm curious. So we've talked about how, you know, my life was like quite busy in Vancouver. It was a lot of juggling. Like what was life for you like in Vancouver? Yeah, so for me, it was a little bit weird because it was, you know, I had gone from, you know, from summer of 2017 until that point, just being kind of like, go, go, go all the time. And we don't talk about it too much on the podcast, but we'd gone from when we were in Asia, mostly freelancing, when I came home, had gotten a role that was much more, you know, full weeks, uh, full-time type responsibilities. So just having a lot of free time was really, was really cool. And so I still working on freelance projects, but was able to kind of double down on my Spanish lessons, go up for lots of walks and walk around the city, listen to a lot of podcasts, meet up with friends. So yeah, it was cool having that break and being somewhere where there's like so much to do. And it kind of pulls and relates to where we are now because we're back in Canmore for the summer and really love being here. And basically the entire time, every time we've come back over the past couple of summers, it's been a place where we've been working Monday to Friday, like, you know, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and then have to do whatever we want to do on the weekend. So it'll be cool this summer um, because you always had that flexibility. I didn't have as much flexibility, but now we've got the opportunity to do some more things on weekdays and you know, schedule ourselves around the the crowds of people that have already arrived. Yeah. I mean, I did have the flexibility, but at the same time, I feel like this is like the first summer where I feel like we're both not really tied down by extra stuff because when we came back after Asia, I worked for Lululemon part-time and then I took on a bigger role at the yoga studio when we came back after... No. When we came back from Atlanta, I took on a part-time job at Lululemon to help me pay for Asia. And then we came back from Asia and I covered a mat leave at the yoga studio doing more, more management stuff. And I was basically working for them like 30 hours a week. And then last summer, I took on a part-time job as a barista to help pay for my teacher training. And this summer... I'm not taking on any part-time work. So it's just like the stuff that I do regularly. And right now it doesn't feel like, like it feels like a lot, but it also doesn't in the same time because I've been balancing like everything that I do on top of 30 hours of learning and homework and stuff. So I feel like it's going to be really fun to just be back on the same page for the first time in like a number of years being home. Yeah, absolutely. And so what are you looking forward to doing the most uh, while we're back in Alberta this summer? Yeah, so getting out and enjoying nature is like the number one thing for me while we're here. I Every time we come back here, I just feel like this sense of calm and peace that kind of like comes over me. Like I found them, I find the mountains so grounding. I find them so like humbling and so peaceful. And I just love being 
in the mountains. And I like the fact that, you know, we can walk around and there's not a bunch of people around and there's not a bunch of crazy homeless people. (laughs) Hello, Vancouver. (laughs) And, you know, we don't have to worry about getting hit by a bus, Vancouver, Mexico City. It's like, you know, I, and I love cities. Like it's not hating on those places. That's the the trade-off of being in a city. But, you know, one of the beautiful things about being here is that just going for like a peaceful nighttime walk or going for a hike during the day. And I think just remembering that these things are amazing. Like when I'm craving, like, why doesn't this place have a movie theater? Like being like, oh, I can just go, you know, watch the clouds over the mountains. That's my movies for now. I'll be in a city again soon. Yeah, it's a nice switch up going from, you know, living, our apartment was pretty much downtown Vancouver, which is really awesome. So many cool things to do, but you know, you open the window and there's like chaos outside. Um, <laughs> to here, we have our windows open right now. You probably can't hear anything on the podcast, but the only thing we can hear is like occasional, you know, yells from kids playing at the playground that's not far from here. Maybe a, you know, a car driving by once every 20 minutes. So it is a really nice change up and being able to do that, like you said, you know, put on some clothes, go out in the morning, go for a nice walk. Um, I I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before, but sometimes when I'm listening to music or practicing, listening to Spanish music, I practice singing. And here it's like so quiet that you can just walk on these trails and there's nobody around. So you can kind of just, and by you, I mean, I'll just go and sing my Spanish music while I'm walking and there's no one around. I think that's an only you thing. (laughs) Yeah, that might just be me. But it's really cool and really nice to have it be so quiet. And I think for both of us, really like a yin yang type thing where we're really not happy with just one or the other. Like after a while, you do get that itch of like, I want to do stuff. I want to be in a place where there's concerts and sporting events and movies and all that. But there's something so nice about being so close to nature so calm and relaxed Mm -hmm. is that kind of your what you're most excited about as well yeah so it's kind of funny because i feel like so many of the times when we talk about what we're most excited about for both of us and me as well it's around food and right now we're actually both experimenting with eating on a ketogenic diet so not doing any eating out really just doing a lot of cooking at home which has been nice Uh, but yeah for me i think it's just really kind of being healthy, um, taking care of myself after a more gluttonous period of time where here, lots of great hikes to do. So yeah, a couple things would be the hiking, um, getting into Calgary probably about once or twice during the summer and yeah, just enjoying, enjoying the calmness and using it as an opportunity to get some health going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it is kind of interesting because normally when we get home from being international, we're really excited for like our favorite. It's not really like Canadian food. It's just like our favorite foods here, which is usually like, oh, we can go get like for us. It's like it's some sort of like hipster bowl or like a big salad and don't have to worry about getting sick or like getting smoothies or, or something like that. And it's kind of funny because we've been in Vancouver for three months. So like we've really got our fill of, you know, our favorite quote unquote Canadian foods or our favorite things to eat while we're back home in Canada. And yeah, I mean, we were cooking while we were in Vancouver, like we had an apartment with a kitchen, but it's also the type of thing where when you live like downtown and you're like, hey, do we spend like 30 minutes cooking or do we go to like our favorite faux place down the road? It's like, or do we order it? Or do we order it? Yeah. And it's like, 
so easy to just have food delivered for you. And we were like, okay, it's time to like take back our health and, and spend a couple months getting a little bit healthier, like taking care of ourselves. And I think, you know, that stuff is important too when you, I guess, quote unquote, travel all year round. Like when you're moving around a lot, it becomes a lot harder to find a grocery store and get in a routine of meal prepping. And if you don't have very long in a place, like you want to try the local food and that adds up over time. It just adds up in terms of like the way you feel physically, your bank accounts, all that stuff. So yeah, I feel like the next three months is really about like recharging and taking care of ourselves And I think, you know, this summer, as well as not having kind of extra work stuff, we also have like a pretty chill schedule. We've got two weddings and I'm going to a bachelorette party for one of them. And that's kind of like the only stuff we're doing. The past couple summers have been like all over the place, like Atlanta, Charleston, LA, wedding here, wedding there, wedding in the South, wedding, wedding, wedding. And this year it's like, two weddings, both pretty close to home, not going to the States, not doing anything else. And I'm actually really excited for that. I think it's going to be nice to just kind of like get into the community, get into a routine, take care of ourselves and just be a bit more chill. Also, my bank account's going to appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. And one of the things that's been going on with us as well as tons of other people is watching the final season of game of thrones so we're both big game of thrones fans have watched all the seasons multiple times have read all the books listened to podcasts a shout out to binge mode um great great podcast for anyone who's fans of harry potter or um, game of thrones definitely recommend you check it out um and so watching through that past season we had some conversations about if we lived in that world, where would we want to go travel? And so if you're not a Game of Thrones fan, this is going to sail right over your head. And massive spoiler alert, we're going to talk about things that happen in the final season. We thought it'd be fun to take a few minutes to put ourselves in the mindset of Westerosi travel bloggers. I don't know <laughs> what the equivalent would be. We'd have to do these episodes via Raven Scroll and then send them out to the various lords and ladies of the realm but if we were blogging and travel blogging where were the places that that we want to go yeah so i think there's a couple different ones Uh, first of all i kind of want to know like what's on the table where can we go to okay so for anyone who's not who's a fan of the show but not a huge fan uh of the geography or hasn't gone that deep down the rabbit hole because they have more important things to do um (laughs) The world is still incomplete, so they don't have a full map of the world. Spoiler alert, if you watch the final episode of the show, spoiler alert, uh, Arya sails west to see what's west of Westeros because they don't know. They don't know if it's a flat earth or a round earth. They don't have YouTube, so they can't figure it out with the videos there. Um, But yeah, there's still incomplete maps. So Westeros is kind of the heart, the main continent of the story, and it is kind of based off of Europe for the most part. So in the north, um, there's a whole section beyond the wall, which is kind of like Arctic-like. You can think of it as like deep, like if Scotland went up to the Arctic Circle type vibes, um, Viking 
wildlings, all that. Uh, and as you move south, things become more mild and it's more of like probably a southern UK type climate. And eventually as you move further south, you get to places like King's Landing, High Garden. These are more like southern Europe. So King's Landing itself uh, is actually based off Dubrovnik in Croatia. You can do some really cool tours and see lots of places that were filmed there. And a lot of the places I should mention in the north were filmed in Iceland, filmed in Northern Ireland. And then, you know, as you move even further down to this area called Doran, which I think is really modeled after like Italy, it's kind of this slightly disconnected part where they make great wine, the people are much more relaxed, much more free, kind of this like southern italian spanish kind of uh, energy and, and feel to it so that's westeros and lots of smooth interesting parts in between you've got cities like old town where the citadel is based cities like white harbor the trade center of the north uh, high garden the iron islands on the west side of westeros and then the other main continent is essos and essos is very large and it's kind of modeled after i guess maybe some parts are more like africa-esque a lot maybe middle eastern-esque and then kind of mongolian-esque so the Rothraki, a horse kind of tribe modeled somewhat after like the mongols uh has the whole Dothraki sea a big grassland model that's like the steppe in eurasia um and parts like bravos which is maybe more of like a mediterranean type trading city um there's slavers bay and then kind of as you go further out there's valeria this kind of like forsaken forgotten emperor empire that used to exist and has now uh befallen some sort of mysterious doom um but yeah that's kind of the overview of the map so lots of different like singular attractions and cool cities that you could check out, especially now that spoiler alert, the night King is dead. and no longer <laughs> a threat. Okay. Okay. Thanks for that, that overview. So I think that first of all, I feel like I'd want to go everywhere. Just kind of like the real world. I feel like everything kind of has an allure to me, especially if I got to be in this sort of like fictional world as a travel blogger. And so why don't we go back and forth with our top three? So you start, what is your number three place that you would want to visit? So number three for me would be Bravos. Bravos is a city that you don't see a ton of on the show. That's where Arya goes and joins the House of Black and White and learns how to be, learns how to be a, a super assassin. Um, but really cool history there. So it's a city founded by freed slaves who had, a, I can't remember the exact story, but escaped from slavery, moved up to Bravos, um, started kind of free trade, and through trade with other areas became the richest city in the world. Um, this is where the Iron Bank is from, a kind of titan of finance for all of Westeros and just a really cool city. There's this gigantic soldier looming over the bay and it's more well climate, uh, nice climate. Um, although apparently it's shrouded in mist a lot of the time in the books, but in the show it looks nicer, kind of like a Mediterranean <laughs> feel to it. Tons of energy, lots of cool stuff going on, tons of trade, people from all over the place, it's kind of like a hub, like a Singapore or a Hong Kong of that world where 
you would imagine you'd be able to find all sorts of cool stuff. We got a little bit of a taste for Bravosi Theater back when Aria was watching uh, the story of you know, the battles of Westeros. And so I feel like it would be a great place to travel. Maybe set yourself up for a little while, stay for a month, <laughs> learn some new languages, get a taste for the oysters, clams, and cockles, uh, and other seafood and different uh, amazing things that would be there. Meet lots of cool people from all around the world. So Bravos would be number three on my list. Do they have good ravens there to communicate your stay back home? I think they must. The Iron Bank probably has a pretty good raven network. I don't know what the ping would be, but pretty good down and up, even though you're going across the sea. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That's a good choice. I want to choose different ones from you so we can talk about more places. I feel like Bravos would be really cool. I'm having a hard time with my third. I think that I would choose Valeria. It's quite interesting to me that it's kind of like this land that is very mysterious that people don't live in like I think as somebody who's traveling like that's the type of place that would be like off the beaten path in your lonely planet <laughs> seriously <book>. off the <laughs> beaten path one of the things that kind of does not attract me is the grayscale that's there for those of you who don't know grayscale if you get it it's very very hard to get rid of it and it basically like makes you turn into kind of like a gargoyle not like a gargoyle but like your skin turns into kind of like gargoyle like skin and it'll slowly kill you so you don't want to get that but i feel like it might be like an interesting place for like a couple of days yeah so the thing that comes to my mind we're watching chernobyl right now the hbo miniseries on the chernobyl disaster and it kind of strikes me like that type of place but even cooler because it's like going like if egypt was mixed with chernobyl uh, and it's like this desolate somewhat dangerous place where there's maybe you can get like a good suit that pushes off the valerian doom and oh that you were like you. like a tailored suit i was like oh do you get that in chernobyl so, seems a bit like a weird service some sort of like radioactive <laughs> repellent for the valerian doom yeah yeah and i think it's like not the place that i would want to stay but i feel like it'd be like okay we're on like a Essos backpacking trip like I feel like we should like make a trip to Valeria like I think it'd be pretty interesting and it's also it's described like so interesting to come into it and in the show it's very very cool like there's a gigantic statue outside of it and it just feels like that to me is like oh cool got the photo for the gram and then people are like where'd you get that photo how did you get that how hard is it to get to like it feels like one of those places to me so I think it deserves like a, a third place Awesome. And so number two for me is the wall. So heading up north, checking out the wall. I feel like that'd be the type of thing now where there's probably lots of like tours to do that. Now that the Night's Watch doesn't really have a purpose, they could start making money from doing tours. And it's super cool. It's like the Grand Canyon, but made out of ice and not a canyon. So gigantic massive ice wall and you can you know get some good accommodation in molestown head up to the wall go up top check it out maybe take a trip north of the wall if you wanted to probably like a short-term thing maybe like a week uh maybe if you're like basing yourself somewhere warm head up there nice little trip playing the snow cool photos on the wall and then head back south but that would be number two for me 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that one. And that was actually on my list. So that means I can add another one in cause I don't want to repeat, but where were you going to put that one? I was going to put it number two as well. I just feel like I see myself like with a photo standing, looking out from the wall at all the <laughs> ice and just like one of those like contemplative quote. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like <laughs> something that feels very kitschy and Instagrammable and stuff. But I feel like that's like the type of place that you, you go and you see this thing that's like not really anything, but also kind of incredible. Like it kind of has that allure the way, you know, going to remote Iceland does or going to like Northern Canada or I don't know, deep in like Norway or Finland or Antarctica, something like that, where you're just like, this isn't stuff you see every day. And I think it'd actually be really cool to be in like Winterfell and then like take the trip up north. Like I think Winterfell is the type of place that isn't making the list because it is very livable. Like that's the type of place where I'm like, okay, cool. We could like live in Winterfell for a month or two. And then we like make this day trip or a couple of days up to the wall and check it out. Maybe walk some of it feels like a good thing to do while you're over in Westeros. Yeah. It'd be cool to check out the part that fell too over by Eastwatch. Yeah. I feel like there's probably some good, good history history there about the night king probably do that wall cruise (laughs) wall cruise maybe they've got that going i think just riding that rickety elevator type thing would be really nifty also how you get to the top so kind of be like tower of terror without the intentional ride aspect of (laughs) it hopefully the rapid fall (laughs) yeah for sure and so my number two that i'm gonna say is dorn Dorne has a lot of allure to me. I think it's partly because in the show, they don't talk about the characters in Dorne a lot. You just kind of see them from time to time, but it doesn't play a huge role. You actually get more of Dorne in the books, and I am excited to read the last two books whenever George R. R. Martin puts them out because I think that Dorne is going to play a bigger role. And it's just this like very beautiful Southern sort of... I feel like the word that's coming to mind is like, exotic type of place and I feel like that would be the type of place where it'd be really fun to like go for a month and explore around and it'd be nice and warm and the culture seems a lot more free like in Game of Thrones it's kind of a big deal if you were born when your parents weren't married so bastards are like very much like a not uh, a good part of society but in Dorne they don't really care about that type of thing and it's just seems like a fun place to be I feel like yeah, Dorne would be like a cool place to go for a month and then take some trips around and just kind of immerse in the culture. And they don't really talk about the food in Dorne much, but I would imagine they have some pretty good food. Yeah, I feel like you don't get that popular for your wine without being able to back it up with some awesome food. Yeah, I think so too. All right, what's your number one? So number one for me is Old Town. So Old Town doesn't get a ton of shine in the show, but I think one of the coolest cities in Westeros, if not, well, I, I think it's the coolest. That's why it's number one. Um, so Old Town, oldest city in Westeros, place settled by the first man and home to the High Tower, uh, which is a gigantic tower, and the Citadel. So the largest library. It's like the Citadel at that time is the seat for all of the information. And you're not probably not allowed to use the library if you're not a maester, but I'm sneaking in. Um, everybody knows I'm a big book guy. And so going exploring that gigantic library that they have at the Citadel and just all the really old history. Um, it's a trading port and 
yeah, just a ton, an intellectual city, kind of like a, a hub of that era for all of the, you know, most well-read, well-studied people of the time. So a place where you can really dig in, learn lots of new, new stuff, probably good Raven network as well if you need to do work. You know, get those <laughs> in and out if you want to base yourself there a couple months um, pretty far south too so good weather um, but yeah that'd be the top of my list okay that's cool i'm going totally opposite direction and i'm going to say king's landing and you and i have talked about this kind of off like where we got this idea from was actually talking about it and you were kind of like i don't know if i'd want to go to king's landing and i'm like what do you mean like pretty much every new country we go to we want to go to like the major city major cities always have a lot to offer i feel like it's a really great way to get a vibe for a city and i love that you brought up like a smaller town to go to because i think those have a lot of like charm and interesting aspects to offer but i just feel like you know dubrovnik has been on my list for a while i feel like i'm really enticed by that that landscape and architecture and that way of living. And I find the idea of, you know, this big castle and then this town where there's like, you know, this massive difference in the way that people live to be kind of interesting. Like I think it makes for kind of an interesting dynamic. And I just, I feel like it would be great to get like a little, bungalow or a little villa that overlooks the ocean and we could wander through the streets of king's landing and we could go see all the craziness happening with you know the people on the throne especially if you you could go before spoiler alert cersei died but in the (laughs) in the reign of like cersei that would have been like a really interesting time to be there but now you could go and see like where she blew up the what is it called? The Sept? The Great Sept. The Great Sept. Like, I feel like that's probably like a really interesting memorial that you could go visit. You know, seeing the parts that Danny, spoiler alert, destroyed and that's been rebuilt. Like, I think there's just a lot of history there. And I think it'd be a very interesting place to hang out for a little bit. Yeah. And for me, from kind of what you've seen, it's like, you know, lots closed off, like the coolest parts of the castle. Um, but you have to imagine a city like that, the biggest city. I'm not sure if it's the biggest city by population in the world, but one of, so tons of interesting people, probably the place where there's lots of good, you know, foods to try and things to do uh, and uh, adventures you can take um, no matter what time you're there. So I think that's a good pick as well. Yeah. And I also think now that Bran is ruling (laughs) the six kingdoms, spoiler, I think that, you know, maybe there's some tours. Maybe we're allowed in a little bit more. So maybe the type of place to go visit. And I'm just imagining like walking through those little streets and having like a quaint sort of time there. So I think that that would be a really fun place to go to and kind of like going to Dubrovnik or going to London or going to like New York. Like it's this major city that you're like, whoa, this is so different from where I'm from. Yeah. And you know, from the finale episode that the brothels are a key point of the rebuilding plan so should be lots of adventure tourism in that regard (laughs) maybe if that's your thing uh one more question regarding game of thrones if you were choosing somewhere to live or be from or have a home in westeros essos where would you choose to kind of base yourself like where do you think would be your home so i think for me i think old town 
would be a good bet. Fairly safe has been excluded from most of the wars, mentioned kind of like a seat of knowledge. So you have to imagine that there's some interesting things going on there. Uh, some interesting people. I feel like King's Landing is probably like more alive and more commercial. And part of that makes me wonder about Bravos as well. Uh, I'm someone who really has a bit more of an entrepreneurial streak and enjoys being in places that are a bit more um, kind of like alive commercially. But for right now, I think I would go with Old Town as a place to base myself. Nice. Yeah, I think Old Town is a pretty good choice. I can't picture Old Town in my head, so I'm not too sure if that's where I would choose. But I've always been really attracted to High Garden. I feel like High Garden is like really beautiful. There's always lots of flowers. It's described as something that's really like just seems like really nice, super temperate. Lots of uh, food growing. Yeah, lots of food growing. Like I feel like it would be somewhere that really suits my climate needs. I do like the idea of Winterfell and especially now that there's like hopes of spring but i feel like it might be still a little too chilly for me like it is pretty north uh, so i think i'd prefer to be somewhere south i like that high garden is outside of king's landing it's a little ways away so it's like far enough from the capital that you have a little bit less craziness and you know i don't even know who's really ruling high garden <laughs> at this point so i feel like good opportunities to live <laughs> For sure. But I liked the Tyrells. It was pretty sad that they were cut out of the show. I'm kind of hoping that maybe they stick around longer or in total in the books, but we shall see. But either way, I feel like that's kind of like a place that I think that I could see myself fitting in really nicely. Awesome. And so we'd love to hear from you guys if you're uh, fans of the show and fans of Game of Thrones. What's tops on your travel bucket list uh, for the Game of Thrones world? Um, shoot us a message, send us an email, um, reach out, let us know. Love to hear from you. And so coming up from us, we're going to have an episode pretty soon on everything Vancouver to that we saw and recommendations if you want to go visit Vancouver. And then we're going to be back in Alberta for a few months, um, getting outdoors, doing lots of hiking, uh, enjoying the um, summer and <laughs> warm weather hopefully <laughs> season it was and before heading back south somewhere again which will i guess leave open for suspense yeah we'll, we'll let you know at a later date where we're going <laughs> all right as always thank you so much for listening and we'll see you soon so yeah to find more information relevant links and photos talked about in this week's episode check out theworldwanders.com if you have a question, comment, or feedback, send us an email at info at theworldwanders.com. Join our community on Facebook at The World Wanders or on Twitter at World... Sweet Tarts dared to combine sweet and tart, but we didn't stop there. We combined soft and bouncy to bring you new Sweet Tarts Gummies Fruity Splits, a uniquely delicious dual-sided gummy with one side that's sweet and one side that's tart but entirely smooth and squishy. Mmm, a powerfully perfect combo. Sweet tarts. Dare to combine. Wanders 1. As always, thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.